Did I hang in there? That Smiley Kaufman for 61. Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is The Smiley Show. What's up, y'all? The FedEx Cup playoffs are in full swing, and I'm joined this week by a guy who is in the hunt, JT Poston. The Postman has quite the journey in golf. He began the 2016 season with no status on any tour, but after a Monday qualifier at the Web.com Tour and a series of great finishes that year, earned his card for the 2017 PGA Tour season. He's won twice since then and enters the BMW Championship 43rd in the FedEx Cup standings and qualified for all the signature events the 2024 PGA Tour season. We cover that and much more in this conversation. So let's get to it. Here's JT Poston. All right, JT Poston, good friend of mine. We've been to plenty of dinners in our day and plenty of golf as well. And you're sitting now in a hotel room in Chicago, Illinois, getting ready for the BMW Championship coming off a of plan just seems like a million weeks in a row. Like, are you just tired of golf at this point? Dude, it's, I don't know if tired of golf is a stretch. Maybe. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely a golf sicko when it comes to playing, but, uh, I am, my body has never felt this, this tired. I would say just from week after week and playing good. So playing a lot, playing late, playing in some heat, it's just, it takes a toll, but, um, we're resting up this week and ready, getting ready for BMW. Yeah, we're going to get into those last seven weeks of of the really high quality golf that you have played. But like, I want to start to your roots and and where this all began. You know, I I don't think I recall you as a junior golfer. I I would probably describe you more as a late bloomer. Is that fair to say? Yeah, for sure. I definitely was. I was and, a late bloomer. And so you end up at Western Carolina. Was that how many offers did you have, and and how did you end up at Western Carolina? Um, so I grew, I mean, being in North Carolina, I grew up a Tar Heel fan. So I wanted to go to UNC. That was mm-hmm. my dream, dream school. That was where I wanted to go. And, uh, I went on a visit there and basically the coach told me I wasn't good enough to to be on his roster at the time. And so it kind of felt like, I mean, I get it now. It kind of, at the time it felt like a little bit of a slap in the face, but, yeah. um, I had offers from ECU and I had offers from Western Carolina and, um, I liked both coaches. I liked both schools. If I'd have gone to ECU, I'd have been teammates with Harold Varner for a year, which would have been fun. But, uh, <laughs> I just, I, you know, I, I think Western was just a better fit The coach, I knew I would play right away. And, and that was something that my, my coach, uh, my swing coach at the time was pretty big on was just saying, go somewhere you can play. And, um, honestly, I went into it thinking I'd go for a couple of years and maybe try and transfer to UNC, but I ended up loving it and uh, I ended up being a good fit. Well, in this, this day and age of the transfer portal, that would have been way easier. It, yeah. Back then it would have been a lot harder and maybe that, that, that could have played a part, keep me, keep me there. But no, it was a, Western was a great spot in the mountains. I grew up in the mountains. Um, so it felt like home a little bit and, uh, I loved it. All right. So how do you pronounce the name of the town? In Western Carolina, is it Kaluwi? Kaluwi? Kaluwi. Kaluwi. Yeah. What What mm-hmm. do people do for fun in Kaluwi? Oh, man, you kind of got you kind of got to make your own fun a little bit. Uh, <laughs> at least we did when we were in school. Um, so when, when we were in school, it was a dry county the first two first two years I was there. But I mean, there's a lot of good there's a lot of good fly fishing, um, outdoor activities. I mean, you're right in the right in the middle of the mountains you're pretty close to some awesome rivers and streams to go float down, fish, do whatever you want. But it's a lot of it involves getting outdoors and, um, kind of 
some good weather, I guess. I mean, that's that's a, being a dry county. A so, than, so where it's a little different than SEC, LSU. On, where where do you where sure. do you get your beer? Did you have to drive to a different we, county to do that? We would we would drive we would drive to Silva, which is only it was maybe a ten minute drive, and you could you could you know buy some beer in the grocery store there or something. It but. seems like that would be a place that you would buy the beer though, but it would it would not be cold. It would just be warm beer that you'd grab, and then you'd have to go put it in the fridge. Is that true or no? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you could, I mean, it's a grocery store. You can grab okay, it okay. the cold section, but I mean, Hey, in college, you didn't really care. You just, you're just trying to get your hands on it. Right. Or a football <laughs> game or something. Oh gosh. That's amazing. So you kind of mentioned that it was in the mountains and what was the golf course that y'all played at Western? So, um, campus was kind of situated right in the middle of, of like Asheville and Cashers Highlands. And obviously in the golf world, wow. Cashers Island is so y'all an amazing pretty, pretty spot. well known. We were in a we were in a good spot. Um, we were, we never had, we didn't have like a facility on, on campus or anything. We would hit wedges. And when we practice, we'd hit wedges on like the, the practice soccer field. And that was, that was our <laughs> practice facility. Basically. How boring did that we get? We had one, we had, it was pretty bad. They got mad at us, I think a couple of times, because eventually we were tearing it up, but we were always 30 minutes, you know, 30 minutes from a lot of really good golf courses. And we were fortunate enough to have some alumni and, and some donors that were members at some awesome clubs up in Cashers and Highlands and, Amazing. Uh, they had us up there. I mean, we played mountaintop a couple times a year. We played, we had our home tournament, um, which is now the JT post and invitational, but, uh, oh, nice. we had it at Sapphire Valley country club, Sapphire Valley, which is a great spot. Um, yeah, we, we had probably five or six courses that we just kind of bounced around and, and played a good bit, which made it fun for all the how, qualifying. How cool so. is that, that you get to have your name on a tournament you know so many of the guys that are on the pga tour go to big schools you got to be a pretty damn big deal to get your name on uh a tournament if you're playing at georgia you're playing at texas like you gotta pretty much be like tiger woods but i mean that's that is the benefit (laughs) of going to western carolina you will probably be the best player to ever play there and you will get to have your name on a on a tournament that's pretty sick (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, the goal is to to kind of give those guys the best chance at success as as we can give them, and um, you know, we're working on trying to get them a practice facility, and we got the tournament. Um, unfortunately, you know, in the fall, in the past, it's always been a little hard for me to get up there and mm-hmm. be there for the tournament every year. But um, this year, I plan on being there, and it'd be fun to see some of the guys and just go play host, I guess, for a couple of days up there. That'll be fun. And and my uh, co-host and producer, Charlie Hume, is from the Durham, North Carolina area as we speak. And he uh, he knows that North Carolina mountain golf area pretty well. Mm-hmm. And he and he and he put a list down for me. And, and I kind of want you to rank your favorite North Carolina mountain golf courses. He just played okay. Diamond Creek last weekend. So he wanted me that's to give you a shout one. out there. <laughs> I know that's going to be number one. So yeah. here, here's some of the, uh, the courses he mentioned, and you can give me your, okay. whether your top three or four or five, but said Wade Hampton, Diamond Creek, grandfather, Linville headwaters, which is, I guess, a par three across the street from Wade, High Hampton, yep. Mountaintop, Biltmore Forest, Roaring Gap, and Sequoia National. That's kind of the list he gave me. I don't know if he left anything out. I'm um, not a, yeah. uh, a, a a mountain golf uh, North Carolina hardo, so you're going to have to tell me what your favorite golf courses are in that area. 
So he, he hit some pretty good ones. Um, I would say diamond Creek is definitely number one. I think that's, that might be one of my, might be my favorite golf course in the world. I just, I love, I love getting up there. It's just a fun experience. Uh, you've told me I'm that forever. Play. You've, you've been trying to get yes. me to come up there and, and yes, dude, I need to get, I, uh, it's a hard, it's a little bit hard to get to, but it's, but once you get up there, it's worth it for sure. Why is it so good? It's just the experience. I mean, once you're inside the gate, you don't, you don't leave. I mean, every, every part of it is, is, is fun. The golf course is fun. Uh, the service, they treat you like, mm. you know, they treat you so well, the the food. I mean, you can go once you're there, you can play 18, you can play 36, you can play however much you want. And, um, it's just, it's pure. The greens are some of the fastest mm. greens I've ever played. Pure bent grass. It's Good on the side bad, of the mountain. Man. So like, it's not, a, it's not a ton of like up and down, like high, ele- big elevation changes. It's more kind of sitting on the side of the mountain and you just oh, kind of, you can see a lot of the golf course from most of the higher points on the, on the property. So, uh, it's awesome, man. It's truly Let's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. But that's number one. I'm going to put probably grandfather. Uh-huh. grandfather number two i'm a little bit biased there my grandfather who got me started playing the game used to be a member there so i grew up you know we went up there sometimes in the summer oh, is um, that near boone yeah yeah so diamond creek uh grandfather linville those are all in North, like boone right? banner elk like yeah. northwestern part of the state and then you've got cashers highlands which is southwestern part of the state and that's mm-hmm. wade hampton mountaintop headwaters which I actually have never played um, Headwaters, but I've heard it's unbelievable. I heard the practice facility, honestly, is is really one of the best parts. Yeah. So what's what's course, the best too. one? What's the best one in that Cashers Highlands area to you? Wade, Wade Hampton for sure. Wade Hampton. Okay. Yeah. Is that the I mean, consensus answer too, for most people? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody would say Wade is probably the the top one, but it's and then maybe Mountaintop, but they're just very different experiences. Like Mountaintop is used to be a discovery property. Like yeah. you got music playing on the range, the comfort stations. It's very laid vibe. back. Yeah, <laughs> I think like I would like it to depend on who I'm talking to. I might send in the Mountaintop before Wade Hampton, but just golf course and and club Wade Hampton's definitely hard to beat. Is, is there any that were left out on this list? Is there ones that just kind of that, that stick out to you? Um, you know, I, I mean, old Edwards is great. There's, there's so many good ones. Highlands Highlands country club is really awesome. Old Donald Gross, mm-hmm. like from the tips is like 6,300 yards and it's still hard. That's and fun. like, I mean, it's like hitting it down a hallway. Um, <laughs> I mean, I place Mimosa Hills kind of a little down the mountain in Morganton. I grew up playing there um, in some high school stuff and junior stuff. Yeah. And it's an old Donald Ross that I'm sure some guys have played back in the day. But yeah, that's those are the only two that come to mind at, at, at this point. But man, it's hard to beat mountain golf. I love it. Yeah. And I was actually going to ask you about playing mountain golf in general for the most part you know you could play some really good tracks like some of the ones we've mentioned but when you play kind of mid-tier mountain golf golf courses they tend to be a little quirky and like you Mm -hmm. kind of mentioned you have to hit it down a hallway just weird kind of shaped holes did you think that helped you at all like playing tricky golf courses uh before you kind of got uh or before you turned pro did that playing weird golf courses kind of change your perspective of, of, uh, how to get around a place. 
I do. I think it kind of opened up the sort of creative and seeing shots. I mean, that's kind of how I approach the game is just hitting, hitting different shots. I'm not, I'm not really a, a see how I can optimize, you know, bombing it as far as I can and then hit yeah. it up there on the green. Like I'm much more field based and, and kind of seeing a shot and hitting a shot. And I feel like that, uh, sort of comes from the golf courses that I grew up playing, you know, mountain golf, a lot of elevation change, um, dog legs, trees that you're kind of working it around and just stuff like that. And then you got a lot of slope and a lot of those greens. So kind of being creative around the greens as well. Well, we know you have a, a great putter and a great short game, but that, that's really interesting that the feel aspect and playing different shots. I'm, I'm much more of a bomb and gouger, uh, at, at the current moment, but I, I definitely need to implement a little bit yeah. more of that feel in my golf game. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a balance. I mean, I could, I could definitely use a little more distance in my game too. It never hurts, but, um, yeah, that's just how I grew up playing. I would say that kind of you and I were both late bloomers. You had a much more successful college career than I did, but we kind of had the similar start, I would say to our professional career. And the fact that, um, first off, I, I, I couldn't find the answer to this, but what did you miss out at Q school your first go, or did you have conditional status? What did you have? Uh, I missed, I missed it first stage. Missed it first. Um, so I turned, okay. I, I turned pro in, I guess I turned pro fall of 2015, right after I graduated yeah. and did Q school, got through pre-Q, um, pre-Q and then missed pre-Q pre-Q. Yes, that's, yeah. That's right pre-Q. From the start. Got through, got through pre-Q right out of the gate. And then, uh, first stage I missed by a shot. And so I was kind of looking at 16, I was going to do, uh, thinking Canada, you know, try and get mm-hmm. up to Canada. I did Q school there and played okay at, can- at Canadian Q school. And I don't even think I got full status there. I think I had like pretty decent conditional and just while waiting for uh canada to start up i did that monday on, on the web tour in april at victoria national and got through and got rolling and next thing i know i was playing on tour <laughs> in september how about you and i having uh victoria national be our place where where it got us going you know, I know. I, I know. mine happened Good actually memories. a couple weeks before that i finished fourth in louisiana and then fourth in uh Leon, Mexico. That did you ever play that event down there? No. So no. I like, yeah, I never played any of the South America ones, which a lot of oh, guys gosh. give me grief for because I missed out. <laughs> you on didn't a lot experience. Of those you didn't but, experience yeah. the Wet.com tour then. If you didn't play <laughs> yeah. in Panama, you didn't play in Bogota, you didn't play in Leon, Mexico. Yeah. I didn't play any of them. I didn't play any of them. I, I played Sao Paulo, Brazil. Gosh, man, that is just the mm, nope. <laughs> I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot of good stories from those trips. So, I mean, I definitely feel like I missed out on some of those wild weeks. Well, I I wanted to mention this as well. Kind of, this is right around that same time. So, you know, I, I kind of played my way off the tour and up doing some, some of this stuff, but around, I don't know what year this would have been, but I figured out that you started dating the sister of one of my best friend's brothers. So your eventual brother-in-law, by the way, congratulations, got married uh, not too long ago, but I played basketball with your brother-in-law and his younger brother was my best friend. And he has the Mims family, as you know, have five brothers and a sister, and it's a very big family. And they used to cheer me on us. You know, they would come out to tournaments, watch me play. They would also be kind of the people on social media that, 
like the the thing about the Mims family, they have each other's backs and yes. they're going to go to war for you. And they used to do that for me on whether it be social media or at a golf tournament. And now the baton has been passed to JT Poston and you are their number one golfer and yeah. they love you. They cheer for you week in, week out. And so I, I had to get your, your take on what it's like having the Mims family backing you up. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's funny you say that, you know, I mean, obviously Will Mims, I've gotten to know Will Mims quite a bit over the last few years. Um, and we've gotten real close and, you know, I have the support of his, of his brothers and his family too, but I still have not met many of them in person. They got you back on social social media. They're backing me up on, you know, texts here and there. Um, but I still haven't officially met him. We've been, we joke about, you know, we we joke about getting together and doing like this golf trip and grill yeah. out and come to Birmingham, you know, man. Yeah, exactly. I need to get it. I need to get to Birmingham, but we've been talking about this trip for probably over, I mean, two years now and we just haven't been able to do it, but um, <laughs> no, they're great. They're great family, big family, like you said, and, and they, oh, yeah. they got my back, which is great. Yeah. You probably don't know the side of will that, uh, he was, he was, a uh, a year older than me and, uh, he was a starting point guard and I, w- I backed him up, but he's the nicest person in the world off the court, but back in the day on the court, man, he, he would, he was the toughest dude out there. And and that's why we made him so good. So if you ever need a guy, if you're, if you need to go to war, <laughs> your brother-in-law, so <laughs> you probably don't know that, but he, he's got your back. <laughs> I've, I've seen, I've seen the competitive edge come out of will a few times, which I love because I feel the same way when I'm competing. So yeah, it's um, great. Yeah. It's nice to know I got that in my corner. <laughs> we'll get it. We'll try and get it out of him again sometime soon, maybe. Oh goodness. Well, that was kind of uh, in between that. So you go and win and win the championship. You win a John Deere. And I think it's really cool that you won in Wyndham because I, I looked up, you grew up in Hickory, North Carolina. I was like, oh, wow, Greensboro is not that far away. And it's so close to Charlotte as well. Which one of those two events between Wells Fargo and Greensboro uh, being the Wyndham championship, did you want to win the most? Like which which one do you consider to be your hometown event that you want to win? Oh man. Um, I mean, honestly, growing up in Hickory, the, it used to be the Wachovia, uh, in Charlotte. And that was always the one that we grew up, you know, watching and going and playing. Mm-hmm. And then you'd follow, you, you'd catch Greensboro later in the year, but just the right. timing of, of where it fell on the schedule, it was always like right when school was getting out and stuff. And Wells Fargo was always high on the list. So I would say if you'd asked me when I first turned pro, you know, Wells Fargo would have been probably my answer. I think now I'm a little bit biased because I've done it at window <laughs> and gotten to experience it in Greensboro. And, um, like you said, not far from home. So I had a ton of family and friends, college teammates, high school buddies. I mean, you name it, people, people I didn't know that went to Western cause they're in North wow. Carolina and, and so cool. kind of close enough. So that was the, the beauty of it is it's such a central location where like, so many people from North Carolina came out to support a, a North Carolina kid trying to win. And, um, it was, it was a pretty cool feeling like coming down the stretch, some pretty big crowds and everybody pulling for me, which was, it was a lot of fun. How difficult was that? I mean, you, you, you were winning wire to wire that entire week and didn't make a bogey. Just, I mean, is that as good as golf you've ever played? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's the best I've ever hit it for sure. I mean, I remember, Saturday, even like 11, one of the harder holes, Fleener and I are in between yeah. a six and a seven iron going into this green. And we decided on hitting this like 
chippy six. Soft, chippy, high cut <laughs> six. Yeah, that's when you know you got you it. Know, you can, yeah, you can like work those my, middle irons. That's that's yeah, impressive. Yeah, above my feet lie, and I clanked it off the pin to like eight feet. And that was just kind of, I remember looking at him like, I, this is nuts. I don't even know how I'm doing this, but it's just like the ball is just going exactly where I want it to go. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, and I kind of look at what you did that week and and kind of relate it to what we've seen the last month or so with Lucas Glover and kind of what he's done with his golf. And you're not too far behind him. Some of the golf you've played, you've only shot in the 70s twice. I mean, you're kind of just slightly under the radar from what we've seen with Lucas Glover. But how can you relate to what we've seen with Lucas and just that level of play. And when you're just, when it's going good, it just feels like every single day when you show up, you just expect great things to happen. Why, how, and why in the game of golf, can we not stay in that mental frame more? But what do you think about Lucas in this run? He's kind of been on, man, he's been on an impressive run. Uh, it's, it's awesome to see. I mean, anybody that knows Lucas knows he's always been able to hit the ball really, really good. And the putter is what's held him back. And I think he's found something with this new putter that it's obviously given him some confidence. And when you have confidence in the putter, it frees right. up the rest of your game and not that he needed it, but it's just like, that's a dangerous combo when it comes to Lucas Glover. But you know, that like frame, I think it's that, you know, people talk about, you're never that far off sort of, you know, when you're struggling, you're never, you're never that far off from going on a, on a tear. And, you know, I, a few months ago, I felt like I was playing just like I am now hitting it as good as I am now, but I just couldn't get any rounds together. And right. next thing you know, it clicks, you know, uh, you know, that John Deere and, and you're off and running and it just takes a little bit of confidence. So I wish there was like a, a magic <laughs> answer or, or like something that you could do to kind of flip the switch, but it just, it just comes in waves and, and you try and ride those waves as best you can, I guess. So I, I actually did get a chance to listen to your John Deere press conference this year. And because it was right before you started to go on this crazy good run. And yeah. my takeaways were, well, first off, um, I think it's great for everyone to have press conferences. And I, yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I would have played good enough to have them more often because I think I would have convinced myself that I was about to play some really good golf. And Phil Mickelson was the best at doing that. Even when he was mm -hmm. like just off, he's like, I'm really close. I'm about to play good golf. And that's kind of what you said at that press conference. And then you go on this crazy great run. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't really know how to explain it other than, you know, the tournaments leading up to that week. You know, I think somebody asked, you know, I, you're here, are your results, you haven't played your best this is kind of, that was kind of the case last year too. And you flip the switch, like, do you feel like you can do the same this year? And I just remember telling them, you know, Hey, I, I feel like my game is in a better place than it was last year uh, at this point. And my confidence level is in a, in a much better place, but I just hadn't put the results together. And it just so happened to kind of click um, Thursday at, at the deer on that back nine. Really. I didn't even get off to that good a start. I think I was a couple <laughs> over on Thursday on the first nine holes and just kind of thinking, man, this is maybe here we go again, but, um, butter got hot on the back nine, turned it into a decent score and just was off and running. To your point, talking about your form, he you said you're 85th or, or so in the FedEx cup. 
you know, is that something that's on your mind as you move forward? And you said, well, you know, um, I'm going to be adding the 3M to my schedule and I feel like I'm close. And and then the 3M, we we saw you almost get the job done. Can you first off, talk to me about the 18th hole. We 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 saw what social yeah. media said. I was behind you every step of the way. Just just so you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, the the thing about the 3M and 18 was people were saying I should have just hit it out of the side, got a three-shot lead on second, and played for second. And my my whole thing was I was, you know, I was still trying to – I was trying to win. And walking up to the ball, before we could even see where the ball had ended up, I told Flynn, I was like, if this thing is in a decent spot, we're like, we're going to – we got to give it a go. And he was on board. He's like 100%. And he's like, if it's not, then we get it down there and you try and use the backstop and make it from the fairway. But we both felt like if we can get it somewhere up there by the green, I got a better chance of making three and Lee had hit it left and mm-hmm. we knew he was going to have to lay up. So it was like, maybe we can hit something up there and make that wedge shot a little harder on him. Um, what, what was so, the lie like? Did you, what was your the like, lie, percentage percentage wise? Did you think you could pull it off? I, yeah, I definitely think I definitely thought we could pull it off. Pull it, off. it really wasn't that far from being in a decent spot i think Mm -hmm. um the lie was not as much below my feet as it was just a downhill lie and so our biggest concern was not yeah just getting the height on it and that's exactly what happens i absolutely smoked it it had plenty of distance it just came out really low and it was like it looked like it was really close like it was either gonna hit into the bank and pop up or go over the green, or it was just going to barely fly or it was just going to barely fly into the rocks. And it just hit the rocks. And then we couldn't see it after that. Um, Well, you you talked about that. It had some heat. It hit that rock. I think that ball is still in the air. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we we couldn't see it. And all we we could do was listen to the crowd reaction. And you just hear like, Oh, Oh, Oh. And we're like, is that on the green? Is that in the water? Is it, where is that thing? Like we had no idea. It ricocheted so far up in the air back to the right. I mean, you could have gotten a crazy good break there. It's it's a bummer that uh ended up in the water, but still, yeah. I mean I mean I'm with yeah. you. I I think that was the right play. If you felt like you could pull the shot off, absolutely it was, you, that eighteenth hole is difficult, man. It is. It and on it and like the people that are, you know, you you, you should have finished solo second. Like I still could have finished second. Where I really messed up was we had I we misjudged the wedge and then didn't get up and down from the front fringe for double. Like that yeah. was where I cost. That was where I messed up second place. Like, yeah, it was never about the going for it. Like we never questioned going for the green. And it was just, I thought it was interesting that that was what everybody was focused on was that I shouldn't have tried to hit that shot. And I was like, where I messed up the whole second place thing. So a second was, you know, the three putt from, 30 yeah, feet on the fringe. I'm sure that you're, you don't lose sleep over the, uh, going forward and going for the green, you lose sleep over just the, the little silly Correct. mistake, but still, I mean, T second yeah. PJ tour event, you're not going to be complaining too much, right? No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I, like you said, I was playing good. I feel like I had some confidence in my game. I was like, I'm just going to keep rolling. Well, you did and made it to, uh, the playoffs going to Memphis. And what, what was, uh, what was it like last week in Memphis? You know. There was only 70 guys getting into the top 50 was so important uh, for, to get into those signature events. What was your stress level like last week, especially in just maybe the hottest place in the world? It was, it was very hot. I think that Friday was 
I think you could ask anybody in the field and that was the hottest they've ever been on a golf course. I would <laughs> be willing to bet. Um, it definitely was for me. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's a weird week because it playoffs, you're excited about the playoffs, but you know, like if you don't make it to the top 50, like there's really not much difference finishing 51st versus 71st and not making the playoffs. Like there's no, there isn't much benefit it feels like whereas there's such a huge benefit to making it to top 50 and right. so um fortunate enough for me i you know obviously i've been playing well and moved in i was like 45th going into the week and so i definitely didn't have it locked up but i was at least inside the number to start the week and um what did you need to I do didn't wanna, like, was there a number that you thought you, you know needed? i didn't no i didn't i didn't want to kind of go down that path i didn't want to be worrying <laughs> too much about where I finished and watching leaderboards too much. And, uh, at the end of the day, I mean, I still want to make it to Atlanta. And so, and I feel like Memphis was a good golf course for me. Um, you know, I felt like it suited my game well and I'd played well there in the past. And so my focus was, you know, try and go out there and focus on Atlanta and try and get into that top 30 going into this week and got off to a good start and just kind of didn't get it going on the weekend. Just, didn't make enough birdies, but it was, uh, I was glad to, to still squeak in, uh, on the number and make that top 50. All right. So I, I texted with, with your caddy, Aaron Fleener, who is, uh, who's hilarious. He's one, he's, he's just ridiculous. in a lot of things that he does, he's just, he's just the best, but I texted him <laughs> and just like, Hey man, give me some on JT. And he said, you need to ask him about, uh, how the, that gorilla glue worked last week on the 13th yeah. hole. <laughs> on on what hole on he said it was on third he said uh it worked he said the uh, gorilla glue worked really well but on 13 (laughs) apparently y'all put too much gorilla glue on uh to try to have this yeah so a little background like my i have a hard time when it's really hot my hand hands get really sweaty and like everybody's like we'll just put a new glove on like it's not my left hand it's my right hand that feels like it's sliding off the club and i like it was a problem on friday and saturday in memphis when it was how many gloves are you going through i mean a handful but again like it wasn't the left hand it was my right hand oh it's your right hand okay okay, okay. and so i'm like i'm like we're wiping down the the grips like i'm wiping down my hands but as soon as i get to the top of my swing with a driver it feels like my right hand's flying off and like the ball's going everywhere and that's not a good not a good recipe for success around there um and so I texted with Danny McCarthy and he told me he uses these gorilla glue towels that have like a lot, it's like really tacky. And he said, he's like, look, I, I asked the rules officials, like they said, it's totally fine. Well, you can use it on the course. Like, here's what I do. And so I tried it out on Sunday and it was, it was night and day difference. Like, oh, you don't have to put much on there. And, but because it's so tacky, like I didn't want to, like, I was telling like, Flinner was like, I'll put the, I'll do the, you know, <laughs> the whatever, like patting it down with the, with the wipe or whatever to give it some tackiness. And it was great. And then we got a 13 and he put it on there and I, I like my hands felt glued to the, <laughs> to the club. Like we definitely, we so, overdid it. And I so you can't, like, like you're quick. not, you're trying to regrip and you like can't regrip. Your... Re- yeah. I can't get my hand off the grip. It feels like. And so I'm like, I, I just completely like hit this, like, awful duck hook like toe hook on 13 i had like a 200 i don't know 215 yards to the to the hole on a hole that we've been hitting like eight isn't that out and they're out of bounds left on 13 there is it was close 
Oh, cool. I mean, when I hit it, I looked at it and I was like, is that out of bounds? And he said, no, I saw it bounce. Like, I think it was such a quick hook. It didn't get <laughs> to it. Like it bounced and just kind of didn't quite get to the out of bounds. Yeah, see, was, it's like 215. I remember hitting like wedge, maybe not oh, yeah. the front, front middle pins on that hole. <laughs> yeah. Pin was like front middle and you know, I hit a good drive and it's probably a eight or nine iron and we were ripping four iron in. <laughs> But yeah, it was, it is something I do. I will like, it's not, it's awesome. We just, we put a little too much. We, we got a little too sticky there for a hole or two and then got it figured out after that. All right. He, he also told me to ask you, how many times did you accidentally not put your golf shoes on before showing up for work in this seven week stretch? Oh yeah. I've done it probably, probably like four or five times. Okay. He, just he like said, in he the said it was three. <laughs> I think I, well, I think he's been there for three of them, but I've, okay. I think I've done it two other times where he didn't see it. We're like, go to the locker room, you know, getting golf balls, glove, you know, at the open, it was like raining. And so grabbing rain gear, all this stuff. And I get halfway, a couple of times I got like halfway to the range and I'm like in my tennis shoes. I'm like, I didn't put my golf shoes on. I got to turn around. <laughs> just like, I mean, man, just seven weeks on the road will mentally uh fried i guess but um if that's the worst of it then i'll be okay oh god man he's the best uh all right so kind of going into uh bmw this week this is kind of more of a just general topical question about the pga tour schedule and the system as it stands now and uh so you're obviously in that top 50 category so you you can probably speak a little bit more freely on this but you know, how do you feel about the shrinking of the PGA tour to kind of feed less mouse more in, in years past? Yeah. I, you know, I still feel like I'm kind of on the fence, which is probably a weird thing to say being one of the guys that's going to benefit from it, I think. Um, but I just, I'm kind of waiting to see if it, if, if it all pans out how they say it's going to with like the, the field sizes and, you know, the argument was always the reason why it's 70 and no cut versus doing, you know, a hundred or 120 mm -hmm. was they felt like if all the top players played and then you fill the field after that, then guys are going to have to take weeks off somewhere. And so it's going to hurt the, the, the tournaments that are, um, you know, right before, yeah. right after, I mm -hmm. guess, where guys will take weeks off. Whereas if you made it 70, 70 man fields, then guys are either in or you're not. And if you're not in, you're going to play those other events and you're going to still get some big names. And then obviously as you get further down the season, guys are going to have to play or going to add events um, to try and improve their number uh, and make it the playoffs again. So I don't know. Do you, I, I do still you expect feel like that? Like, do you think, do you think those events that are the normal open tour events, do you expect those fields to be stronger than we saw this year? That's where I don't see, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think so because if all the top players are playing all the same events and there's a good number of them, I don't see them adding other events other than maybe one or two favorites. So they might have, but um, I don't know. I mean, when I think about my schedule for next year, I definitely yeah. still have some that I know I've played well in. Uh, that are not going to be designated events, not going to be signature events. Um, I know, you know, I can, I can think of a handful that I know I'll play regardless. And so mm -hmm. 
um, maybe there's maybe other guys will be looking at it that way too, but I also feel like I play more than, than, than most guys. So, um, I'm definitely interested to see how it, how it plays out. Um, it feels like there's a lot of changes going on, and so yeah. everybody's kind of just waiting to you know see how it see how it works out. Well, if you figure anything out, you let us know because we we try to break it down every Monday, and some yeah. some weeks we're like, you know what, I think we got a feel for this, and then other weeks I'm like, oh my gosh, I I I'm getting a headache. I've read it read it so many times trying to figure out what's going on. It's just. Yeah. It's crazy. If you'd have told me three or four years ago that that there would be like an actual change to the PGA Tour, I would tell you you were crazy. But now it's just, yeah. I I think it's changing for the better. Um, I'm not sure if that's the sentiment of the players, but I I like how I competitive so. these playoffs are. Yeah, and I think that I think when you look back at this year and you look at the designated events this year, they all produce awesome weeks you know, waste management, Wells Fargo, Travelers, Hilton Head, they all had exciting finishes, big names, and like create a lot of drama, but it was also still full field events. And so I don't, I think that's where I'm, I feel like I'm torn is like, it seemed like it, it worked pretty well. Um, and I don't know how much better is it going to be cutting it down to 70 guys. Yeah. And no cut. So, um, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Yeah. Well, see. Oh, we definitely will see. And it, it we don't. It's kind of an ever changing deal. It's a Ferris wheel of of new things every week that we're having to break down. So yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah, bit of a mess. Exactly. Um, this is the last question from the uh, the Fleener mailbag, and okay. this, <laughs> and he said, uh, "Are you planning on working out this fall so we can cover uh, fairway bunkers that are two hundred twenty seven yard carry at the Scottish <laughs> Open?" Yeah, uh, I will definitely be hitting the gym a little bit. In my defense, we had about a 90 mile an hour wind in our face on Sunday when I, I remember looking at him and it, it was the 18th hole. So we knew about how far the ball was going and it was blowing and it's straight in. I'm like, how far is that bunker? And he said 228. And I'm like, surely I can cut, like I can cover that. Like I think I, in, my, in the back of my mind, I was like, I need to hit this thing good, but it's the ball is not going anywhere. It's cold. It's windy. And I absolutely smoked this thing right at it. And I'm like, all right, that's gotta be over it. You know, I hit it's as good as I can hit it right in the middle of it. Dead. Absolutely dead. How hard is that 18th <laughs> hole back in the breeze? Is that the hardest hole you've it's, ever played on tour? Well, normally if it's in the, I mean, in the earlier in the week, if it was into, you know, you could still cover the bunkers, but you yeah. could also just hit something short and then just hit like a two or three iron into the green. Like it's not a birdie hole. You're just trying to no. figure out how to make four and get out of there. But it, I can't hit three wood when it's blowing 40 into because You're then not I'm not going to be able to get to the green. <laughs> You're hundred percent not getting there. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, if I hit the fairway, it was going to be driver three wood. For oh sure. gosh. But it ended up being driver and then blast out and then four or five iron in for a third, something like that. Not well. Uh, I mean, you had a great week and, um, Aaron Fleener also wants, he wants to know if we're ever going to do seven weeks in a row, because he would prefer that you would not ever play seven weeks in a row again. I, I I'm on board. I'm on board with that. I know he's, he, he didn't beat, he didn't beat us to many tee boxes or greens or balls <laughs> and fairways last week. He's a, big sure guy. He's, he's a big guy. He, I get it. He's carrying that heavy ass bag. I, I definitely am not jealous, but 
I don't plan on it. I don't plan on it. Um, but if we do, hopefully we're on a run like this and then maybe that makes it a little sweeter for him. Has, uh, has he talked you into, uh, wearing some of this, this sax underwear? I know he's a, he's now a model with three other caddies on the PGA tour for this underwear thing. I mean, what are your overall thoughts of, of your, of your caddy being an underwear model? <laughs> he's getting these days, ever since that came out, he, these days, he's getting more, uh, he's getting more shout outs from the crowds, like wherever we go than, than I am. Like we're going to like, we love you, Fleener. We love you, you know, which is great. Like, I love it. It's great. I want to fly as much under the radar as I can and just do my own thing. And, uh, he, the, I guess what week did they launch it at the US that Open? Was, I think uh, that's when the campaign came out. I think. Yeah. Um, maybe before he's, that, I know they had a house at the US Open. Yeah. So the US Open, he they had a bunch of I think they did like a shoot with Sachs and they gave, <laughs> they, gave him a bunch, <laughs> they gave him a bunch of uh they gave him a bunch of bunch of underwear, I guess, and done a bunch of different sizes. So he was like, What's your size? I'll I'll bring you some. And I gave him myself they were so small. I mean, I looked like I was wearing like kids' underwear. It was terrible. <laughs> so I I I need to get the right size to give a full uh review, but it's in the back of my mind, I don't know that I can do it knowing that he's like, he's, <laughs> he's promoting it and, and he's all, he's going to be all over the internet, uh, wearing his underwear. So What's gonna let him, let him handle that. And I'll kind of stay out of the way. I mean, we can't top this conversation with, with anything other than talking about men's underwear. So I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you and Aaron go and, uh, get some work done this afternoon at the BMW championship. We're going to be rooting Perfect. you on over there, try to get over there, over there to East Lake and, uh, and watch you hopefully make a, make a run at the FedEx cup. Awesome. Yeah. I appreciate it. That's the plan. Hope to catch you out there in Atlanta. Absolutely. My man. Well, thank you for coming on. Appreciate your time. And, uh, like the Mims family does, I will continue to have your back and, and cheering you on, dude. You're, uh, you keep doing your thing. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks Bye, brother. Later. Great of JT to take the time and pulling for a big week for the postman that gets him to the Tour Championship at Eastlake. That's all for today's episode. We'll be back here on Monday, breaking down the second FedEx Cup playoff event and previewing the season finale. Thanks for listening. See you then. The Smiley Show is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast.